Hello, I'm Deb Han. Welcome to Ambassadors, the podcast. I firmly believe we're all here in service of each other in some way, shape or form. For some, it's to teach, others to help, for some to make, and for others to sell what you make. I could go on, but bottom line, we're all part of a rich tapestry of life and we each contribute to our own patch of the weave. Some do this with more conviction than others. Now, if like me, you're fascinated and inspired by the works of people, then you're so in the right place. Ambassadors is a podcast rich in conversations and messages dedicated to bring faith into focus. And by faith, no, we're not going to church, unless you're referring to the my body is a temple kind. Because for me, faith is about finding and then following answers in the heart. See what I did there? Finding answers in the heart. That's faith. So listen to the stories and experiences of those who have found and then followed their heartfelt answers. Allow their stories to inspire your own version of what's possible. Because if they can do it, so can you. Let their story show you a way forward. Enjoy. Sometimes timing is divinely perfect. And the sharing of this episode today fits into that category because here we are today. It's Are You OK Day? It's International Suicide Prevention Awareness Day. And in our current times, I couldn't think of a more appropriate person to share our message with today. Today, we're going to meet a gentleman. His name is Nathan Gold, based in San Francisco. He's a demo coach. So he's all about helping people get their message across and honing their craft, really being able to connect with their purpose and so on. But perhaps most significantly and most importantly, and how this aligns so beautifully with Are You OK Day and all that we're dealing with globally right now, is that he is the founder of a movement that's launching this weekend, Saturday, September 12. It is care24.global. That's 24 hours of live streaming of inspirational speakers from around the globe sharing their message of inspiration, of hope, of optimism, and really creating that opportunity for us all to connect with our own sense of awesomeness. So sit back and enjoy. We're going to hear Nathan's story. We're going to hear his story around you know, saying yes to an invitation to present really launched a life cycle of entrepreneurship to corporate and how he gets along people to really tap into their their purpose, their own authenticity. He's even going to give you a formula for getting past imposter syndrome, a formula for really creating powerful, purposeful presentations and how his own personal authentic why grew from what he really thought was his own level of fulfilment and how that expanded and converted into his own pay it forward movement and really what birthed this notion, this launching that we're going to be experiencing this weekend, care24.global. Enjoy. I look forward to uh, what you take from this. See you on the other side. Hello, Nathan. How are you? I feel great today. Super fantastic out here in San Francisco, California, where the weather is pretty nice today and it's calm. 
what can I say? July 27th, nothing's changed in the last 30 or 60 days, so here we go. Actually, that's big news in current times if nothing's changed in the last 30 to 60 days. Well, everything's confusing. Uh, people are trying to do the best they can, given the situation we are all in, and uh, life goes on one day at a time. Stay safe, do the best we can, mm. act as if. <laughs> act as if. <laughs> I get it. What is the COVID stat over there in, in San Francisco at the moment? Like? It's right now very... Best I can tell from what I hear and look at and listen to, it's it's we're going up in number of cases, uh, the number of testings. I don't know who gets tested, where you get tested, uh, but here in these states, it's getting it's getting worse again. You know, I uh, sorry to say, but we're worse than Europe because we have fifty different countries here, mm. and then within each country. We have miniature countries, you know, we have mayors and governors uh, leading like they're, it's just crazy. Nobody's doing, there's no, there's no one approach, not that we have to have a single approach, but we can't even agree on masks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you can't agree on something as simple as masks, I think it's really time to stop for a minute and rethink for... They can put five census forms in our mailbox. If we don't send the first one in, they send another one. If we don't do that, and another, and another, and another. But they can't put 10 masks in our... Yeah. Um, Sorry. Because <laughs> here, here just... in Australia at the moment, well, where I am in Australia, in Adelaide, South Australia, we are, we're very fortunate right now. We're, we're I think we're zero. And if we, if we have one or two they're actually in quarantine from you know like a mercy flight that's come come home right. that kind of thing um but yeah i I'm, I'm pretty confident we've got we've got zero community numbers anyway but our neighbor melbourne victoria they're they're back in lockdown their numbers are uh, yeah. yeah escalating again. These and, and they've got the whole the whole mask thing is just it's meant to be mandatory but then you've got your conspiracy theorists that, you know, it's like, oh it's my goodness. Like they're not asking you to wear a mask for the rest of your life, right? It's just temporary. I, I know, right? I saw a really, a, a great meme that went around yesterday. It was, and it was along the lines of, you know, you're asked to wear a seatbelt in a car. Yeah, sure. No problem. Um, and there, there was all these different things. And the most hilarious was, you, ask, you, go, you go to the airport, go through security, you've got to take your shoes off, take your belt off, take your jewellery off, get your phone out. And it just lists like a dozen things you have to do to go through security. Yeah, sure, no problem. Wear a mask. No way! It's just <laughs> very funny and sad all at the same time. So, Right. Humans, right. what are we going to do? But speaking so, of humans, you're an awesome, yep. you're an awesome human. You're an awesome ambassador of a human, Nathan. Thank you. <laughs> Thank, Thank you so you. much for spending the time with me um, this morning. And I just wonder, for those that, uh, for those that don't know who Nathan Gold is, what can you, can you give us a little backstory about what CCB in San Francisco, that beautiful city of the world? Well, I ended up coming to California when I was 23 years old. I was living on Long Island, working at a bank, teaching computer programming after my early departure from university. 
and I just decided I was bored with teaching people how to program and I moved to California and landed in San Diego for three years and then ended up up here in San Francisco and my career has pretty much been working for software or hardware companies as a pre-sales demo kind of a person. I, I would love to get into the hardware or the software and then go out with the salespeople and basically persuade people that our stuff is better than sliced bread. Right. And I got really good at doing demos because I studied everybody else's demos and I had great salespeople to teach me that I'm not demoing. I'm persuading. Yeah. And so at the age of 23, I realized every feature I talked about in a product demo was for a purpose. And it wasn't to make people make a bad decision. Of course, it was to persuade them that our product could do what they wanted. It wasn't about just features as so many of us know these days or actually don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm amazed though at demos that just feature, feature, feature. Well, yeah, that's nice. So long story short, I spent pretty much my entire career, most of the companies I worked for, people haven't heard of with the exception of Symbol Technologies, which is the barcode scanning company, okay. the laser barcode scanners. They invented the red light uh, uh -huh. scanners. And also um, uh, SanDisk, of course, is still around, although in SanDisk recent, anyway. And so I worked for those two companies, which were pretty big companies at the time, but I was working in the software side of the company. My recommendation to anybody listening is if you join a company that's primarily a hardware company and you're a software person, don't expect to stay too long. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so when I got laid off of SanDisk, I was 50 years old and it brings me up to almost my, where I am today, although I'm a lot older than that. It was the third time in my career, and as most people realize, if you know anything about the work, work uh, relationships here in the States, you're at will work. If they walk in one day and say, sorry, we don't need you anymore, that's it. You're, you walk out. And so uh, it happened three times, and on the third time, I decided I would never let that happen again. So you only have two choices, in my opinion, at that point. Yeah. One is retire, which I didn't really want to do. I was a little too young or start your own business. So I started my own business. And what then, business? Yeah. The question I asked myself is, what can I get paid to do that I love doing? Mm. So the first thing that came to mind is I could teach other people how to do better demos. So that's what I started out to do. I came up with a a training class, I came up with visuals, I wrote a book in the first year called Giving Memorable Product Demos to elevate my credibility because I was really a nobody. I was just coming out of corporate. Yeah. Everybody yeah. that ever saw my demo said, wow, that's the best effing demo I've ever seen, blah, blah, blah. So I had to turn that into, take a skill and turn it into something that I could actually teach, which was transformational for me because you get sort of unconsciously competent at doing things and you don't realize that, oh, yeah, that's right. I always stop at this point because, and so I had to really break it down and dig into the, if there is such a thing as a science behind why I was able to be so persuasive and put a book together with my little things and published it and put it on amazon.com. Next thing I knew, I'm getting twice as much as a consultant because yeah. I, I have a book. Uh, so two years later, nobody wanted to hire me anymore. It was like any new people. It wasn't 
growing. It wasn't exciting. It was hard to find business because there were established people in that market. Yeah. There were people who had already had books and training departments, eh, demos. The salespeople do that. You go to the salespeople, ah, it's not sale, ah, go away. So one day I met an entrepreneur at an event who said, I'm trying to raise money. Can you help me with my pitch? Well, it's no different than doing a demo, I thought. And I said, sure, I can do that. So I helped them. And then they told somebody at a law firm out here called DLA Piper that I had helped them. Somebody from that firm called me up and said, we have like 200 startups here that our lawyers have deferred their fees. And if you could help them raise their money faster, perhaps we could have a symbiotic relationship here. Wait, what the okay. heck? Sign me up. So she signed me up for a five of five of her companies came to a workshop. We spent two hours. It was kind of my first ever workshop, like really my first ever real workshop. I was shaking in my boots, feeling like a total imposter, but I did my homework and I walked out and she said, okay, let's do five more next week. Let's do five more the week after that. And five and five and five. Next thing I know, I've got startups calling me to help me, help them raise money, help them with their pitching, help them with their customer presentations. And I was like on a roll. So that's how I got my start into the entrepreneurship world was somebody just simply asked me, can I help them find their voice when they're trying to raise money? So I was able to help them raise their money faster get more callbacks much faster. The Q&A part of the, those first meetings was going much more, uh, creating more impact as opposed to just being an afterthought because I made people realize when you're presenting, you've got to remember the Q&A is much like, if not as important as the presentation itself and it requires rehearsal and practice and yeah, blah, 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 blah. So uh, let's see, uh, I kind of was a little long winded there, but here we are 12 years later. Wow. That's, that's the summary. It started 12 years ago in 2008. And uh, I've worked with thousands of startups over those years and plenty of corporates. To me, that's where my, my real heart is moving. I love entrepreneurs. I do. I really love them and I, I want to help them with their customer presentations and their, their, uh, their investor pitches. But, you know, it's been 12 years. And I, I love the, the fact that so many of the entrepreneurs I worked with in the first five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years are no longer entrepreneurs. Yes. They're back in corporate. Yeah. And they have the entrepreneurial mindset, mindset because once you get it, you never lose it. So I really believe people who have been in startup land, whether it's a, a founder or co-founder or just working for that in early stage startup, like the under 30, under 50 number of people, maybe even under 100, you get to do so many things that when you go back into corporate and they say, okay, here's your desk, here's what you do. It's like, uh, really? That's all I get to do here? Okay, I'll do that, but I'll do it better than anybody else because I got the right mindset and I'm going to come with innovative ideas. And by the time, you better be careful, boss, because I'm coming after your job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's how culture change comes about. When they've, they've had that mind shift, they've had that heart shift, and it's that's time right. to like bring impact and difference and so on. 
it's interesting you said something right at the beginning there about um, that piece around doing the demos. <laughs> Leaping right back now when you're talking about that whole features and benefits conversation and, and you're yeah. so right. It's just, just, you know, it's features, 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 features. That's very fine and fancy, but really no one gives a damn. That's right. <laughs> because that's not why we buy things, right? It's that whole conversation around, you know, how's it going to make you feel? Or how do you feel when you buy it? Or what's really in it for you? What's your personal why? All of that conversation. Right. 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 And right. You, you said it's the purpose, right? What's the, what's the actual purpose? So when you, when you were in that sort of demo mode as far as helping people find their voice and speak their voice, what's that purposeful key? Is there something that you listen for specifically or is there a, an edge around eking that out? Can you share that if you even understand that question? <laughs> That was about the my response. I'm not sure um, what you're asking me here. Yeah. Is so, are you okay? Go ahead. Can I go on? Go on. Say. Are you asking me if how I spot or how I get somebody to get to their why or to their purpose or to their aha moment or did I miss what you were asking? Actually, there are even better questions. Um, it's. Oh. Really one, how do you spot the purpose? Or how do you help someone spot the purpose? Oh, when oh that's purpose? easy. That's yeah. easy. I think it's easy. When I meet anybody... It's easy for you, Nathan, because you're all over it. Well, I guess from my point of view, it's easy because I've had so many people I've had the opportunity to try and discover that with that it, it just actually boils down to something everyone and you will realize you already know the answer. So I get people always coming to me saying, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it's like, like you mentioned it a moment ago. Yeah, but who cares? Right? So hang on a second here, whether it's a startup or, or anybody trying to tell their story on a TED stage, which I, I love coaching people for that environment as well, or TEDx. I, after 10 or 15 minutes, ah, yeah, 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 blah, blah. Why? Why? Why are you doing this? You know, why did you create this cause? Why did you create this product? Why did you create this service? Why are you telling your story? Why do you think anybody needs to hear you? When you, when you literally get people to stop and go back to, I don't know, I guess I haven't thought about that. No, oh, well, of course. I do it because, and blah, blah. When I was growing up, my mother, she used to do all, oh, okay, keep talking. Uh-huh, mm. yeah, uh-huh. And then eventually in them telling you their, their authentic why without the, the layers of bullshit, yeah. they get to their why. They either cry, laugh, or say, shit, it took yeah. all these years for somebody like you to just simply ask me, why am I doing this? And I get to my heartfelt story of it's to help people stay alive. I mean, yeah. It took me all this year to, make, to tell you that this app is to help people actually, they will stay yeah, I'm sorry, but sometimes why is all you need to ask, but you have to ask it more than once. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. That is, and that takes me straight back to a moment of, um, so a few years ago, <clears throat> I was doing a workshop for a group of radiographers up in Brisbane here in Australia. And, um, and it, was really, it, was, it was really about, you know, people finding their why at work, ultimately, just to sort of, mm -hmm. that's not what it was called. But in, in essence, that's what it was about. 
and right. create this sort of culture shift. And I remember, I'll, I'll guarantee you've had one of these experiences where you've got that one person in the workshop who's sitting there really shut down with the arms crossed and the head down and I don't want to be here kind of deal, you know. And I said to this woman, I said, you know, listen, you know, if you don't want to be here, then please exit stage left, right? I'm not forcing you to stay and participate in this workshop if you don't want to. And right. if you don't want to, please don't stay. <laughs> but she, she was adamant about staying. And um, anyway, long story short, she was, she was really disengaged throughout the entire episode until the last 10 minutes. And it was, I've never seen anybody have such a, um, it just, I don't know, is visceral the right word? Like her entire being just like lit up, her, mm. her, her head lifted up, her arms even opened, like she had no control over what happened to her body. It was just like she went from being this kind of shut down, cocooned thing to this totally bloomed flower where sunshine literally mm. beaconed out of everything. And she said her words were, she went, oh, my God, I get it. And everyone was like, oh, what now? What do you get now? Like everyone was just so over it. And she said, she said, I saved lives. And they were like, oh. And she went, everyone was like, oh, really? You do? Do you? <laughs> and it was she just, because she was just so in that rut of, you know, I, I hit a button as I take an x-ray. You know, it was just like, you know, that's all I do. But she had that epiphany in that moment that what she does is she helps what she does realise is something for someone to make a diagnosis that ultimately saves a life and la, la, la. And, yeah, that company sort of came back and went, what have you done with her? <laughs> Where has she been? Yeah. <laughs> but that's what you're yeah, talking about, right? Exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And it only takes really a trained listener like you and me to ask that why at the right time with the right tone with the right ear and perhaps ask it again and again most people stop with the first why and they don't get the real answer you've heard of the five whys mm -hmm. although that's typically used to solve root cause problems i use it all the time in consulting so why are you doing this product well to make money well why do you want to make money because blah, blah, blah. And why do you want to do that? Blah, blah, blah. And why do you want to do that? Well, because we save lives. Yeah. Okay. Now we get somewhere and it's on the fourth why. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work all the time, but very often they, they, they don't know what you're doing anyway, because most people have never heard of the five whys, but we've all heard of ch children saying, why is the sky blue, mommy? Mm. Uh, why, 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 why? So... You sometimes just have to ask it a third time and then they finally tell you why. And you always, I always know because their voice changes, their face changes, their arms start changing. They either cry, I'm, ki I'm not kidding, Deb, they either cry or laugh and it's one of those, you can't, you just can't, you can't replace that, oh my God. Yeah. Come nobody asked me that. Yeah, that's right. I didn't yeah. wake up one day and hit my head on the floor and came up with this idea, you know? It's true. And it, you're right. It is that simple so often and, yeah. and yet not that simple. It, it takes a patience to be with someone's why, you know, to eke it out of the mm -hmm. way you do. And You know, Simon Sinek's Find Your Why is, mm -hmm. is a very powerful 
uh, video and book. If people mm -hmm. haven't watched it or seen it, I still believe that his talk from 2009 is, is groundbreaking, not from the fact that we've all been encouraged to find our purpose in life, whether it be religious, work, home, whatever. I mean, this stuff has been talked about forever, right? Mm -hmm. But the way he put it together in that golden circle made it, I guess, palatable for people to really understand the difference between an Apple versus a Nokia or a Microsoft trying to get your attention and keep your attention and endear you and get you to feel something. I mean, the examples he uses are, are you can't argue with them because you can go back in history and look and watch and see. Point being that uh, you're, when you help people find their whys, it's life-changing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it happens sort of serendipitously over a conversation. And other times you have to sit down with people for a couple, three or four hours over two sessions, like they talk about in the book called Find Your Why. And yeah. then they go, ah, yeah. and then they're off to the races. It's yeah. one of the most fun things to do. Yeah. When I watched that talk in 2009, it completely changed how I coach people. Yeah. From the standpoint of people say, well, how do I put a pitch together? Oh, I said, that's easy. You want me to share it right now? <laughs> it's really easy. You take Simon Sinek's golden circle. Why, how, what? You put a hook at the top to get people curious, wanting to know what you're doing. Okay. Why is the problem? How is the solution? What are the results of your solution and your why? And then you just put a nice little close or ask or call to action at the bottom and you have made somebody feel something. Hopefully. Yeah. Of course, we have to expand that out with what you would say, but I use this golden circle in all my investor pitches, all my customer pitches. I start there. Now, people always mess it up, but I start there and people realize, okay, now I see how I can use this Simon Sinek stuff. Yeah, it's true. And it works. And you know, and going back to that features and benefits conversation, that's exactly what he talks about in, in, that, in that video as well, you know? Yep. Don't tell me all about your airbags and goodness knows whatever else. I want to know that my kids are safe when I'm driving them and that I'm safe, you know, saving lives once again, right? So, yeah, when we get in touch with that why, on point. Now, tell me then your why. Why, ah. why Nathan? Why, Nathan Gold? Do you Thank you for asking. <laughs> my why, until I met Simon Sinek, was very clear. So at 17 years old, I learned or read somewhere that if I were to help enough other people get what they want out of their lives, then I would live a fulfilled life. So that was my why from 17 years old till about 2009 when I saw what he was talking about. Actually, more like about 2000 when the Pay It Forward movie came out. Oh, of course, yes. I realized that there was a name for what I was doing. Yeah, perfect. I was paying it forward and helping and not being found out. And, and if somebody took the help, great. If they didn't, great. I wasn't looking for a thank you necessarily. It wasn't completely unconditional, but mostly unconditional. And mostly I made it unconditional by not getting found out. And the way I did it in the early days, like I'm 63 now, but when I was driving in my uh, 17, 18, 19 years old, we had to pay exorbitant fees, you know, every few miles in New York, you cross over a bridge, you got to pay another toll and another toll. And it's like, we, 
got so mad one day as I started paying for the person behind me. Right. So I'd, I'd say to the toll guy, hey, here's money for the guy behind me. My friend, he doesn't, he didn't have any money. And I would just take off and they, I would see them sitting there arguing while I'm leaving. And then eventually when the toll, those magnetic toll things came out, I had to figure out something else. But that's what got me excited. That's what got me fulfilled was to just help other people with whatever. It didn't have to be money. It could be directions. It could be finding a better restaurant. It could maybe console them, maybe take their happiness and multiply it, amplify their happiness by reminding them about something else that made them happy. I don't know, whatever it was. Yeah. And so then when I learned about this, find your why, and I realized, wow, okay. I always thought that was my why, was to help other people get more out of their life, which it was, but it changed. And I didn't realize what it had changed into until I read his book on Find Your Why yeah. in 2017. The Find Your Why book is the practical book to finding your why. You've seen this book, I'm sure, right? The first one, Start With Why, was very, uh, yeah, it was nice and theoretical, but he left you hanging like, how do you find your why, Simon? And he knows it too. I know he knows it. <laughs> You might even admit it today. Anyway, so when I went through the Find Your Why. <laughs> that's right. Maybe he's using that same technique on all of us, right? So I, I decided to go through the book, Find Your Why, and I loved it because it helped me completely understand that I was still on my why, but it had changed, and here's how it changed. So at 50 years old, when I started this business, I will say in public, I was pretty fulfilled. I was living a really fulfilled life. Yeah. And everything I just shared with you about helping other people is what I believe helped me get there. Without that, I don't think I would have had the marriage I have with the daughters I have and the family I have and the friends I have and the network around the world that I've been able to create just by being who I am and doing my job, but trying to help in any little possible way I can without obviously overextending myself or, right? And so when I went through the process to find my why, thinking I already knew what my why was, I realized that I was already fulfilled. So why am I looking to be fulfilled? So the book, Find Your Why, made me realize that my why changed to inspiring people like you to help other people get more out of their lives so that we all live more fulfilled together. Because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty fulfilled. And yeah, I've had a lot of crap happen in our lives since 2008, but hey, we all have. And the point is that it made me realize that I'm beyond fulfilling my own life now and inspiring other people to help other people. Yeah. And that, that makes the hair on my arms stand yeah. up. So I know that's my why. <laughs> yeah, perfect. It's perfect. The more, the more you give, the more you receive. And it's just, but the thing that I've learned around that piece, as you, as like you say, you pay it forward and you play it forward and, and you just, you're encouraging others to live and share their why, is to where you give and from where you receive two different Two different buckets of life right <laughs> at different times too you can't plan that's the thing about pay it forward you got to do it without expecting anything in return and 
I mean, yeah, hopefully one day the good will come back, but if it doesn't, well, that doesn't mean you still shouldn't be doing your paid forward. Otherwise you, you know, yeah. It's true. It's true. It's because... better stories and you feel better. Yeah. You feel better. Yeah. Doing something and not getting found out is probably one of the most incredible feelings somebody you, you that I can have that I've ever had is doing something for someone where they just don't know it's you and you don't want them to know and it's not for bragging rights or anything. It's just, you did it with the right intentions, yeah, which is perfect. to be in service of others. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me, one thing I am really curious about, so you're, you're very clear now, but if you go back to the, the first, that first workshop where you said you, know, you were shaking in your boots, you know, you've, you've just, you know, left that company and you're, you're in that, that zone of, well, I've got two choices. What made you or what encouraged you to choose your path? What was the voice that was going on in, in your mind at that point in time? It was a combination of never wanting to have someone control my life again. Mm from the standpoint of being laid off without any cause. I mean, I was just tired of it after three times. It's, it gets old. Yeah. And it gets and old. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it happens once you feel like a, a subhuman, uh, they try to tell you every, every reason why it's not your fault. And, and probably most of the time it isn't. I know when Sandus shut down my, the whole department I was in, it wasn't any of our faults. It was all economic. They were going through hard times. This was a pet project, a hobby thing that we were all working on. And they said, sorry, guys, the pet project's over and there's nowhere to put you in the company. Sorry. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's not a matter of being our fault, but it really, really messes up your life. Because yeah. most people are not prepared to be laid off uh, or fired, but that's different. But to be laid off sort of unexpectedly or with two, three weeks notice or three, four months notice is, it's, you know, that's a pretty big thing in life. Yeah. You know, next to marriage, death, buying a house. <laughs> it's true. And it's a terrible feeling. So on the one hand, I didn't want to ever feel that again. Yeah. And I can tell you, in these 12 years, I haven't even had a thought. No one can fire me. In fact, I've fired two of my clients. Yeah. After the third excuse and they didn't do the work, it's like, what are we doing here? Here's your money back. Come back when you're ready. And yeah. twice that happened in 12 years because what's the point? I don't need to take people's money to soothe them and have them bring me chocolates because they're late again. It's like, I don't even <laughs> eat chocolates during the day. Can we say that? You know, anyway, I'm kidding. The second part of it was if I'm going to do something on my own, I need to do something I love. Yeah. Not, not something just to make money. And that was the main thing that got me to do this demos, presentation skills, communication skills, and now what I call find your, helping people find their voice yeah. in whatever their work and whatever they need to talk about. So it's, that's yeah. the love. I wanted to do something I loved that I cared about, that I felt like I could really make an impact and help. And I thought I could. I mean after years and years and years of working on your own skill and having 
top salespeople in the country and around the world say, Nathan, you're the only demo guy I will take with you. You are Midas. Everything you touch turns to gold. That was my nickname, Midas. Yeah. People okay. still call me that today, Midas. That's awesome. And, uh, and it's like gold. It fits. It, it works. Fits. Run with that. So tell me then, because, you know, right, right from the, the get-go, you did that first workshop, scared, yeah. so to speak. But the love, yeah. the love shone through. Right? Like the love for what you do clearly in, in that moment was, was extremely obvious. Otherwise, that person would come back and say, okay, so let's do five more and let's do five more and, and so on. So that's been awesome. It, throughout this time, have there been other times when maybe you didn't trust your gut and you kind of got lesson? Hmm. In terms of content or? Yeah, since, you, since you've been out on your own, like being, being your own person, marching to the oh. beat of your own drum, so to speak, has there ever been a time when maybe, you know, you got the voice that said, ah, doesn't feel right, but yes. you're going to do it. So, I know exactly what you're talking about, I think. <laughs> and that is the whole imposter syndrome that people feel, whether it's starting your own business, being a consultant, getting a job, that imposter syndrome is very often the thing that can cripple those first few steps that you might want to be taking in order to get where you think you want to go. Mm. So my moment was in the, in the startup world, there are well-known pitch deck formats that are tried and true. Back, This is back 12 years ago, not like today where we have Airbnb and Y Combinator and all these other crazy places. But back then there were a couple of problem, solution, market, finance, bum, 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 and you got to do it this way. And so I come at this thing thinking, oh, dang, all right, I'll adopt your methodology because who am I? I thought I struggled for weeks. I got to come up with my own thing. But I was an imposter. I didn't have the experience yet to say, I've got... X number of people that have been trained by me, they've gone into investors' offices, they have succeeded and failed this way and this way and this way. And I can speak from experience that if you just do these five things, you don't need to do all 13 of these. So the thing that I literally woke up one day thinking in a, in a sweat a few days before the workshop thinking, oh my God, my formula that I put together, that I made up, my seven steps, it's bullshit. And I knew it. I had no, when somebody said, well, why are we doing step number five before six? It was be like, oh, please don't ask me that. Cause I, <laughs> I don't even know. I, I don't know. So I decided, <laughs> I decided screw the methodologies, screw that stuff. I'm not going to try to come up with anything new. I'm just going to find what already works. Yeah. What yeah. works. And so literally I spent the next 48 hours, I threw away my whole methodology because it literally was all made up. Yeah. It was a little bit of this guy, a little bit of that woman, a little bit of this talk, a little bit of that book. Here you go. Here's Nathan's methodology. Talk about feeling like an imposter. Boy, I, I was having a heart attack thinking I'm even going to try to present this. Throw it away. How can I be more authentic? I read somewhere when you quote an expert, people think you're an expert. 
I'll just go find some experts. So I found an expert in New York who has a stellar career of investor investment, being an investor. He had a TED talk. He gave away his entire 13 slide deck. He had, it was all there. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, good morning. This is my workshop. Good morning. I am so thrilled to be here to share with you one of the most incredible treasures that I believe any of you in this room will ever want to use when it comes to raising money for your companies. Now, I want to tell you, uh, I'm pretty new at this in terms of investor pitching, but not pitching. Pitching, oh, I got that, but investor pitching. So what I come to you here today with is an expert. His name is David Rose. He's called the Pitch Doctor. And he has a TED talk where he laid out exactly the 13 slides that he has used every time he's raised money himself and every time he's has since coached other people when they go out to raise their money. That's where we're going to start today. <laughs> and it was like, we're off to the races. They're all taking out notes, 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 notes. And what I realized I had done that day was I decided no bullshit. I'm just going to be authentic. I'm going to find what I consider expert advice at that point. Yeah. I'm going to use it. I'm going to validate it. And when it's not validated anymore, then I will change it into something that's different. It literally took me five, maybe six years, maybe seven wow. out of 12. I'd say seven years where now I walk up on the stage with David Rose. I tell you right now, I would walk up on the stage with David Rose and have a competition battle about his 13 slide deck versus my three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I have validated my three hundreds of times. And yes, someone like him, he's giving you the whole thing. And in fairness to him, if you had 10 minutes, you need 13 slides because there's 13 topics. But if you only have three or four or five minutes, like we do in today's day and age, yeah. Ain't no way those 13 slides are going to work. Yeah. So you probably pick three or four, and that's what my three or four are. So David is, a, is actually not a friend of mine, but I have bumped into him at some conferences years ago and told him what I was doing with his 13 slide deck. And he's like, oh, my God, I can't believe anybody's actually using that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, you can use my name anytime you want. So I give credit as a consultant. I give credit to the expert. I don't steal their work. The credit is all to David. And then if you raise your money faster or you get a second call back, who cares anyway? Yeah. So why do I need my own methodology? I don't. So for anybody listening that's trying to start their own business, don't worry about coming up with your own thingy. Just do what you do. And eventually your thingy, your, your differentiator will eventually show itself in a way. Just go plant the seeds, water the seeds, you know, like, this, it'll come up eventually. The rose looks yeah. amazingly beautiful, right? Totally true. That's so profound. Thank you, Nathan. Because that, yeah. in in essence, you you just you've given people permission to do the be you routine. You know, everyone's go be you, go be you. Well, what the heck does that even mean? But sometimes, I was only having this conversation the other day about you know the old saying around teach a man to fish and they'll eat for life kind of routine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's Sometimes, though, they need to be shown what a fish is, right? And that's part yeah. of the teaching process. And I think that process that you just spoke about then 
is, and I, and I do the same, like I quite often will share, especially when I'm doing, when I'm teaching leadership scenarios, I'll quite often um, share a lot of Simon Sinnott's work and, and so on, share his books, share the TED Talks and so on. But yeah. it's really, you share that information with them and then you go, so what's in that for you? What's your takeaway? How does that align to who you are, how you are? And that's where you start to facilitate and listen yeah. for their genius, their voice, and they start to put that polish on it for themselves. And then You've they have no imposter syndrome going forward because they haven't had to imposter anything. So they start from where they are as in who they are with the learnings they take Boom. Yep. Boom. Yep. So they just have to be careful of the naysayers if they're trying something unusual or different or crazy and and they just have to let the those people keep those people out of their life, even if it's a close person in your life and they're saying, What a stupid idea. Well, that's what you may think, but you don't know what's going on in my head and what I'm thinking. They can, nobody really honestly, Deb, I don't believe any of us really have the right to tell somebody they should or shouldn't do anything. We don't know enough about their lives or where they've been or what they're thinking and how they're thinking. I actually have lived a better life, I think, for me by not telling people what they should do. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of pressure off of me. I heard my father say it all the time. All the time he would tell people, adults, his own age, younger, older, what they should do. And I was always embarrassed. Yeah. How do you know what they should do? You just met them 10 minutes ago. Oh, you should do this. Yeah. So I yeah. vowed to not use that word in my life. And yeah. I've done a pretty good job, especially in coaching. People will say, what should I do? Oh, you know what my question is, is what should I do? <laughs> what do you think you should do? Exactly. We dream the same dream, Nathan. We totally <laughs> dream the same dream. And if they don't like that, don't tell me. I know what you're trying to do. Okay, so fine. If you don't want, I'll give it to you another way. What do you want to do? Or what do you need to do? Yeah. And you know what? That's right up there with the whole thing around, oh, I know exactly how you feel. <laughs> how is that even possible? <laughs> no, 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 they don't. Exactly. Yeah, perfect. So listen, um, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And the thing that I'm, I'm really excited about for you now is really the, the next stage, the current stage of the whole pay it forward routine. Can you oh. tell us? Yes. What's in the pipeline right now? Why we can all yes. be excited? So pay it forward. I, I can honestly say that, and this is not a brag, but I've always wanted to help a lot of people. So you can't just say you want to help a lot of people. That's saying we like, we, you know, we have a lot of customers. So we try to quantify it in some way. So a number of years ago, I said, I just want to help a million people. Hmm. It's not like a good goal, a million people. And last year, I did all the counts on all of my different things out there, videos and whatnot. And I'm, I'm just over a million. Just over a million. Wow. But that's oh. just personal. Oh, thank you. But it, it's, it's, thank you. It's just a personal little goal. And we why did I want to get so, Yay, yay, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Play the confetti, yes. I guess the why was just to have a number. And so then I thought, okay, that was the first million. What's next? So I thought, okay, let's go to 10. So how could I get to 10 million? Well, I could do more videos. I could do this. I could do that. And then uh, about four and a half months ago, I was on the phone with my good friend Alfred from Hong Kong. And he and, 
he, he represents Hong Kong Baptist University. And he, along with UC Berkeley, MIT, and Oxford, for several years had been doing a one-week immersion program for entrepreneurs, undergrads, to come together from all these different countries and work together and learn what it's like to be an entrepreneur. And they actually got credit for it, for some of them. Well, they had to cancel it, right? And so he is saying, Nathan, do you have any, any ideas? And I said, well, I have this crazy idea. Why don't we run a 24-hour live streaming conference and find inspiring speakers around the world who can help the younger generation, the students who are all sitting at home or won't be able to go back to school for who knows how long, to, to get a break and listen to compelling, powerful stories that they can use in their life to have more hope, more optimism. Yes. And he said, uh, yeah, that sounds like a crazy idea. He said, where did you come up with that idea? And I, I literally said, well, the 24-hour idea has always been with me as a kid because of, I don't know if you're aware, but here in the States, we used to have a muscular, a 24-hour telethon by the comedian Jerry Lewis. Yeah. And those 24-hour telethons were packed with entertainment and heart-wrenching stories and kids and parents and, you know, phones ringing. And it was like a very moving day in my life as a kid. And I thought, you know, one day I want to do something for 24 hours that, that is a give back, that does something for the world. Wow. So I took that idea, which is really where the genesis of the 24-hour thing came from, combined it with how can we help with people with optimism and he said, yeah, that's a really interesting idea. Let me, uh, let me think about it. That was Friday night. Monday morning, his time, I get a call, which is Sunday, my time. He says, Nathan, we're all in. All in what? <laughs> I literally said, what do you mean all in what, Alfred? He'll tell you the conversation. Yeah. And he said, well, I've talked to Oxford, I've talked to UC Berkeley, and I've talked to our friends at MIT, and we all want to back this effort. I thought, uh, okay, gee, from a conversation on Friday, you already called everybody and they want to do this thing, and I don't even know what this thing is yet? How did you tell them? What did you tell them? So... <laughs> He just literally told them what I told you just now, and they all said, okay, let's do it. So that is where it all began. And uh, we have all those universities backing this whole effort called care24.global, yeah. which the whole idea is to literally bring speakers and partners to the screen for 24 hours nonstop to help people, younger generation, face their futures with more optimism by hearing the stories that they can use to create more whatever they want in their life, learn more whatever they want in their life, and then persevere through the times and the challenges that we are all facing today. This is not a just 15-year-olds are facing anymore. I mean, the whole, all of us are facing all kinds of challenges. So, I've been able to assemble nearly 50 speakers like yourself Thank you. around the world who yeah. have a message, stories, learnings, uh, ahas that when if you just can share it with a more broad audience, the messages will change lives. Absolutely. 
And my hope is that at the end of those 24 hours, people who watch for maybe just 20 minutes will get inspired. The whole idea is that it's not just about getting inspired or learning something new. The third component of this is activate, which is to get people, give, we're hoping every one of our speakers gives people a plan of action or something that they can do just to activate the stuff that they've just shared with them instead of no platitudes. We're not allowing any speakers to just come and say, yeah, life's great. Life will be better, blah, blah, blah. No, it's more about what can, what can you, you do to inspire us? Because especially the younger generation, they know they're the leaders, the future leaders of the world. They're tired of hearing that. They yeah. know it. Now what, yeah. they, what they tell us from our interviews is they want, they want wisdom from the older people who can't get in there and do it anymore, but they got this younger generation ready to kick ass and do all sorts of stuff. And they got the crazy ideas. They just need the wisdom, the encouragement, the, the lessons, the how to persevere when things are down. You know, we all get knocked down, right? If you get knocked down, there's a thousand different books out there that can tell you how to get up. I hope that a fair number of our speakers will share their stories about how they got up. For example, yeah. We have one speaker coming from Australia who has literally been in more adversity and life and death situations than any of us could ever imagine. But she's here today, still talking, inspiring people that you can get through just about anything, including somebody with the knife right to your throat that's about to take your life and is asking you to say your last words. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of speaker we're going to have. Yeah. We're going to have we're going to have a speaker who holds the world record for rowing across the Pacific Ocean from San Francisco to Australia. Why did she do that? Mm. Tune in. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about sheltering in place? Oh my goodness! You talk about being on a small rowboat. I mean, fairly small with three other women for two hundred plus days. Wow the inspiring stories, but the whole activation and things that people will be able to take action on. There'll be so many different things that hopefully will give people something that they can say, you know what, I want to help the ocean. Look at those three speakers who talked about how the ocean needs to be cleaned up and how I can get involved in just cleaning up the beaches or I can join this little, this club in Dublin, Ireland, that's got seven people that are all just activists about cleaning the, 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 the shoreline of Ireland. Yeah. You know, all that kind of activation. And there's a real, just listening to you, there's a real sort of serendipitous notion here in the sense that it's running for 24 hours. The expectation isn't that people, there's no expectation for someone to sit there for 24 hours and listen to it. Oh. We recognise people are going to jump in and jump out. And the beautiful thing about that is people will see and hear and experience exactly who they need to see and experience in that moment. And they will get that nugget in that moment that they can take away and they can run with and apply, activate in their own world so that they can mm. go forward and be more of who they need to be in the world and, you know, inspire those around them. So, that's an, uh, an interesting, uh, not interesting, but that's a clear distinction that I didn't really kind of put two and two together, but we're creating all these magnets, right? Yeah. To attract all these people. And as they look at the speakers on the website and when the speaker is speaking, 
or even if they don't and they just happen to turn it on or a friend says, hey, you got to get on there and watch this person. She's talking about this blah. And then they put that on their calendar. And then like you say, then they realize, oh my goodness, I guess there is a reason why I came to this particular talk. We're also going to have long tails. So, uh, so far only one speaker wants us to cut down their talk to just like a short, but the rest of the speakers say we can put their whole talk up, which means the right. long tail could go on till next year until we do it again, if we do it again. Wow, that's awesome. Right? Yeah. So the long tail is really going to be there. It's not just a live event. It'll We're going to take all the recordings with the permission of the speakers. Yeah. Yeah. No monetization, no advertising. It's just going to be a website with content that can be revisited. But the, but the speakers' pages will have all those links to, to activate them and give them those activation. Yeah. Yes. And so when is care24.global? The day is September 12th this year, 2020. The first speaker will start at 2 p.m. in New Zealand. Originally, we wanted to do this where the sun rose first. Right. And from my research, it's a little arguable, but from my research, officially New Zealand sees the sunrise first in the morning. Where in New Zealand? Uh, details. <laughs> uh, so the original plan was to, to start with a speaker in that part of the world and then chase the sun all the way around the world until we ended up in Hawaii or thereabouts the same, you know, at one o'clock with the last speaker to finish up at two o'clock. Uh, it turned out that that was a little bit more of a gimmick than anything else. But I'll tell you what it did do is it attracted speakers from around the globe a lot easier than I ever thought it would. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> because exactly. as describing it, they thought, oh, well, you probably need speakers from all over the world. And yeah, we sure do. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. The Mexican wave of speaking around the globe. <laughs> That's right. It's going to be a, a, an awesome event. And um, I'm, I'm, very much looking forward to being involved so thank you thank you it's going to be live streamed it's all free there's no advertisements there's no empty calories it's all what i hope to be solid nourishment uh, primarily 18 and older i think the under 18 probably can turn on the live stream but uh, we're not really targeting the under 18 crowd at this point primarily for country legal beagle kind of reasons yeah um, but we're really looking forward to the fact that the, the speakers that have come together is, is wild. I, I've never seen anything like, like it in terms of the collection of people. And if I put the full list in front of you right now, my guess is most of the names, if not all of the names, would not be recognizable by name. Mm. I call all of these people extra-ordinary people. Yeah. I mean, maybe Simon Sinek will be on the docket by then. I don't know, but he's going to have to call us because we're kind of running out of spaces. <laughs> you know, but when it comes to optimism, if Simon called up on the last day and said, hey, I uh, heard about Thanks, this sorry. conference you're doing. Do you think you want me to speak? I think we'll probably find room for him. Yeah, yeah. We'll squeeze him in somewhere, you know. So he's been on the internet enough. Do we really need him for this? I mean, if he comes, you know, we are putting the pressure on these speakers too. We're not saying, hey, come do your shtick. We're coming here saying, hey, we got some, you know, some kind of rules here. We don't want you to do your shtick. We want you to do something, something a little different here. We want you to get deep, dark, and 
and authentic with your audience here. Yeah. And we even have a TED coach, a famous TED format coach that we have all the speakers going through to be sure that they get to their, their, their heart and don't just BS and fill the air with just platitudes. Even Simon would have to go through this guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not. <laughs> if he's going to do a chip review or not, you know, so, you know. <laughs> right. Anyway, listen, we could chat for hours, I think, Nathan, but, um, you know. <laughs> We, well, you're you're in San Fran, I'm in Adelaide. Do you know, on this day, four years ago, I was in San Francisco. Oh, uh, were you? Yeah. Um, well, so, you'll be able to come back one day, and I do plan to come visit one day. In fact, this was supposed to be the year to go to Australia and New Zealand on business and tie in personal, where I could take my wife and my network down there with you and Lisa and Ellie and I have a really, really nice group of people that have offered to host me and want to host me. And so it's time, but what the hell happened this year? Dang. Oh, I don't know. It's one of those wonderful way of the world had a, had different plans, whatever. Yeah. Hey, so listen, when you do get the chance to come to Oz, so I'm in the middle of wine, wine field here. So thank you. Just saying. Thank you. I'm Deb Han, and this has been Ambassadors, the podcast. I trust you enjoyed this message. For more episodes like this one, subscribe, rate, and share. And to discover your own faith-fueled mission statement, pop on over to the debhan.com site and follow the prompts. I'd so love to hear about your experience. Stay in touch between Ambassador episodes by following me, Deb Han, on Instagram or Facebook. And by the way, that's Han, H-A-N-N, okay? So, sure, come find us on Instagram or Facebook. And if there's someone's story you'd like to hear, drop me a line. I'll do my best. Thank you so much for listening. In the meantime, keep the faith.